good to be back here. It's been a while. So it's Rosh Chodesh, yeah? So, is everybody happy? You're happy? So, it must be that everybody here is happy. You know that it's not so pleasant in life, right? Just because it says, just because it says doesn't mean that like all of a sudden, you know, the clock strikes, the night of Rosh Chodesh, and everybody all of a sudden feels great. A person looks at his life and her life, and even after the month has started, each one of you and myself, we all have complications, we all have challenges. Simcha is not something that happens automatically. Simcha doesn't just appear in a person's life. Sometimes there are very exciting, happy events. But simcha is something that a person has to work to achieve. That's why the Svasem is, excuse me, the Svasem explains. The Mishanichnas Adar doesn't mean when you, when you and I enter into the month of Adar. Because as I said a moment ago, the month begins, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything in life is great. So what does it mean, Mishanichnas Adar? So Samus taught the Mishnahis Adar means that when when Adar what that month is, when it enters into my mind, into my heart, Mishnahis Adar means when I allow Adar into my mind, into my heart, Mishnahis Adar, and it penetrates into the core of who I am, and the result of that is Mahabhisim. If you don't let the month in, just because the calendar changes, doesn't change the person. doesn't mean necessarily that you're feeling happier than you were yesterday. But If a besimcha is the oisius machshava, the word besimcha is the same letters as the word machshava. And Hashem is Baruch is mashpiyah in our lives at this time, a tremendous hashpah of simcha. But like we know, when Remendel from Kotzke was a little boy, I'm sure that you all heard of the Kotzke. And he was a little boy, and somebody asked him as a little child, somebody said, Mendel, they say you're very, very smart. And do you know where Hashem is? And I'm sure that many of you have heard that the Kotzke as a little boy answered that wherever man lets him in, that's where he is. Where you let him in. He wants to be let in. There's a time of simcha now, there's a gewaldige simcha in the world. There's a shefa of simcha that's flowing into our lives. But a person has to let it in. How do you let that in? So I want to talk about that a little bit for a few minutes. How to allow that simcha to penetrate. It's here. But you have to open up to allow it in. So I want to begin, I'll tell you a story. This story I told in my oldest daughter's Shever Brachis. I gave a bracha to the Chasnan Kala. So I'm sharing this with you now. 
All of you are either callous now or you're going to be callous at the right time in Hashem. So I'll share with you now. The Holy Balsham, Sigalena, the Balshamtav. You all heard of the Balshamtav, right? So the, the Balshamtav would occasionally come to the Besamadrish unannounced and just point to a couple of the Chasidim, some of the Talmidim, and say, You, 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 come with me. And he would take them on a trip. They would go on a trip. They never knew where they were going. But they knew that somehow each one that was chosen to be on that trip, that somehow his life depended upon that little adventure that they had with the Rebbe. So it happened once, it was freezing, freezing cold in the winter. Not like this winter, because this is a silly winter. It didn't have any snow or anything. But a real Ukrainian winter. Freezing. And the Balsham HaKadosh went to the Samadrish, and he said, you, 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 a couple of everything, they were excited. And they couldn't even go with the regular horse. They had to go with sleds and horses. It was a whole thing to get moving in the snow. And they were going and going, and they didn't know where. And the person who was driving didn't know where either. And they came to a place, and there were many, many, many people there, peasants, non-Jewish peasants that were standing around the lake. And it was a time of their holidays, of the, of the uh, non-Jewish holiday in the winter. It was that time. And there was a custom that they had in those days, maybe even now, I don't know. Things haven't changed that much in the Ukraine. So there was a custom that at that time of the year that the, uh, the people would go to a frozen lake and they would skate. They would go skating. And the children would skate and etch crosses into the ice, crucifixes into the ice. And the priests were standing around and all of the townspeople. This was some sort of a ritual that they had in those years in the Ukraine in the winter, making crucifixes in the ice. So you could imagine that nobody wanted the Bolshemtov's holy eyes to see this, right? Nobody wanted the Bolshemtov's eyes to see such a thing, to see Avadazara, to see that image of idolatry in the ice. There was one person, however, who wanted to see that, and that was the Balshantav himself. The Balshantav HaKadosh wanted to be, and the Chassidim was saying, no, Rabbi, it's not good, it's not good. And even the local peasants were very surprised. They knew about the Balshantav. They were very surprised that the Balshantav was there, and that the Balshantav seemed to be interested in watching. They were shocked. And the Balshemtev stood by the edge of the lake and he put on his gartle. You know what a gartle is? Like somebody who's davening. And he put on his, he put on his gartle, right? Every chassid carries a gartle. And he put on his gartle and he was watching the, the, the kids skating, crosses in the ice. And he was mamash on fire. Everybody was watching, and then the Balshamtov looked at this for a few minutes, and he said, it's enough. And then they went back to Bezhavis, to the town, to the Besmedrish, and everybody was waiting to hear what was the purpose of that trip, to watch the children etching crosses in the ice. 
So the Rosh Hashanah said the following, listen carefully, he goes, listen. The Rosh Hashanah said, that everything in this world depends on water. Water is life. Water is life. Nothing can exist without water. But that's only when the water is warm and it's alive and it's moving. But when the water is frozen, when it's frozen, then it's just a matter of time until crosses are etched into it. It's just a matter of time till it is our becomes etched into the eyes. And the Chassidim is still wondering, what does the Rebbe mean? And the Boshantav said, you know, there are people when they get married, the marriage under the chuppah, alive, mamish alive, warm feelings, caring and love. And then somehow you meet this couple, I would say years later, sometimes a few months later. But you meet this couple and you see that it's ice, mamish ice, 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 cold. In the beginning, the Balshantav said it's cold, and then over time they begin to even hate each other. And that's when the crosses are etched into the ice. The crosses symbolize all that's not good. Sadness, anger, you have a child is born, a child comes into the world, and their parents are so excited. A baby, a boy, a girl, whatever, they're so excited. And the whole family is mamish besimcha. And then you go into the future, 15, 16 years, you don't have to go that long sometimes, and you see that the family is broken, the child is at war with his parents. Crosses in the ice, frozen. Frozen, something happened. The relationship became frozen. The water turned into ice. And so it is between a Jew and Hashem. That a person grows up and feels very connected to Hashem, feels a deep relationship. Or maybe later on, came to Hashem, sometimes in yeshiva, in Bismedrush, in seminary, and has breathed in the air of Yerushalayim, feels so connected, and then something happens. It doesn't have to only be in Chutzlars. It happens in Israel as well. Ice. The ice age begins. Now we have a, we have a word for this Tumah. You know, the Svarim tell us that there are two Gehenims. There are two types of hell. We're not talking about a physical thing. But there's a Gehenim of fire but there's also a Gehenim of Shelig, of snow, of ice. There's a Gehenim of sin that comes with fire and passion that leads people away from the truth, from Hashem. But there's also a Gehenim of snow, of ice, of emptiness and ice. That Gehenim of ice is the world of Amalek. You know that. Where in Torah do we see that there's a connection between Amalek and coldness and ice, Hevel. Where do we see that? No? What does it say in the Posse? Correct. And Rashi brings down there from the Medrash. A coldness. Ashakarcha. It's a lotion of a mikra to chance upon. The Rashi brings from Chazal. 
that Ashokarcha is a lotion of krivas, of coldness. That the whole world was on fire with Am Yisrael. That we left Mitzrayim. And everybody was mamish shaking with this new fire, this fire of Am Yisrael, of Amunah Bashem, of belief in Hashem, of Kivas Alakim. The whole world was on fire. And then there's this there's this tumma that's called Amalek. And the whole tumma of Amalek is that wherever there's a fire of truth in the world, wherever there's a feeling that a Jew has of Kirvis al-Kir, there's a coldness of Amalek that comes to try to somehow extinguish that flame. And to bring to the Ice Age and ultimately to the crosses and the ice. In marriage, in friendships, in Yiddishkeit, it's the tomb of Amalek. When Amalek sees that a person is Baderach, on the way, on the way, on the way to a happy marriage, on the way to a beautiful family with children who are close to their parents, on the way to a Yiddishkeit that's filled with meaning, Amalek is Ashakarcha Baderach, comes to freeze that that pathway. So the question is, how do we how do we fight against that? Because that creepers, that coldness takes away all of our simchasachai, all of our happiness, all of our joy. is taken from us because of that krivus of Ashakarcha, because of Amalek. So how do we fight against that? What do we do? How do we fight against the coldness of Amalek? So the Gemara is in Megillah, and Afi Gimel, and the Gemara says, It was known and it was revealed before the one who created the world. That Haman is going to offer 10,000 loaves of silver in Shkola. A fortune of money. To buy the Jews in order to kill us in order to exterminate the Jewish people. This is a mahalach that his eniklach, his descendants, learned as well. Those of you who are familiar with the Holocaust, especially the end of the Holocaust, and the business deals that were going on with the German who was in charge of the Jewish solution, whose name was Edov Eichem Yimach to buy the Jews in order to exterminate them, to buy and sell Jews. This is something that comes from the world of Haman, from Amalek. So the Gemara says that Hashem saw that in the future, Haman was going to spend millions and millions of shkala, of silver, millions of shkala, to buy the Jews machashveres to kill us, and because of that, Hashem gave us the mitzvah 
of half shekel and machsa shekel, this Shabbos was Shabbos Kolim, the mitzvah of a half a shekel. That was used primarily for the upkeep of Besamikdash and to buy the Kabanis, the Tmidin, and so on. So Hibdim Shkoleim Lishkolim. So Hashem gave the mitzvah of a half a shekel to preempt the shkolem, the millions of shkolem that Hamur would spend in order to buy the Jews to kill us. Hainu Ditnan, the Gemara says, and that's what it says in the Mishnah, Be'echad ba'odam ha'shmi'in ala On the first day of Adar, today, Vashchardesh Adar, Mashmiyan ala shkolem means that the announcement would go out to remind everybody to make sure to begin to prepare to get ready to perform the mitzvah of the half shekel of the machsasha. means to begin to daher in Yiddish the word daher means to think deeply to try to understand if you want to be besimcha, if you want to experience mishnechnas other ma'am besimcha, then you have to daher. You have to try to listen, to hear, to understand what the shkolem is saying. The shkolem is saying something. The mitzvah of a half a shekel is saying something to us, even in tavshin pei. When unfortunately, but when you stand around, we don't have a besamigdash. It's not just a couple of coins. What are the shkolem telling us? What's the mitzvah of a half a shekel? And if we're able to hear what the mitzvah of half a shekel is telling us, then we then we're going to be able to enter into that world that's called the simcha of pur. Because the Gemara is saying that the whole potential genocide, the Holocaust of Shushan Abira, was preempted by the mitzvah of a half shekel. That the Bereshit gave in the Torah in Pashas Kisisa, the mitzvah of Machsa Shekel, the Shekel That means that even now, the Bereshit wants us to come to Purim with this Mashmin Alashko, with a mindset that's called the mindset of Hef Shekel. What does that mean? How can people like us in Tavshin Pei? How can we somehow adjust ourselves to that mindset of Machsa Shaka? What is it? What is it? How many of you are Zaycha to have grandparents who are alive? Raise your hands. Chazda one or more. Chazdesham. Almost everybody. Chazdesham. Is there anybody here who doesn't have any grandparents at all? Do you remember your grandparents? Do you remember? When I was growing up, I thought that only non-Jews have grandparents. Because our circle of friends were all Holocaust survivors. And I didn't know. I only saw on television that there were old people. I didn't know that there was such a thing as 
a grandparent. I heard about them. And then when I was a little bit older and I went to shul, I saw that there were old people. That there were American friends of mine who had grandparents. I never had grandparents. It's a tremendous luxury. How many of you called your grandma today? Raise your hand. Ashrechem, ashrechem, ashrechem. Ashrechem. I talk to my kids about that every day. Why am I asking you this question? There's something that's called Machshevus Haman. A way of thinking that's called Machshevus Haman. Amalek. That brings to the coldness of love. What's the Machshevus Haman? That the things in life that count most are the major productions, the big deals, the spectacular chasana, the siyum hashas. Whatever is the next milestone in life, a vacation, a graduation, even something in Kedusha, to finish a certain sefer. Right now, everyone who's here is learning Torah and trying to finish something in Torah. And there's a Machshavah Soma that says that the only thing that's meaningful is when you get to the end, when you reach that accomplishment. And there are many talks that you hear from teachers of Torah who are wonderful people and are probably much more educated than me, who are constantly speaking about setting goals and achieving certain milestones in your learning and in your Yiddishkeit and so on. And it's very, very sweet and it's very beautiful. And for many people at different times in life, that's very motivating. But calling your grandmother, if you have the schools to have a grandparent, grandparents who are alive, you know, I don't know your grandmothers, I don't know you. Some of you I know, I see some friends. But my mother, she should be well, who's a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor. I know that my mother sits around all day waiting for one of the grandchildren to call. And I know that that's the highlight of her day. You and I are very busy. You're taking all kinds of fancy classes. you got all kinds of big plans. You can make a see my shas or something. I don't know if that happens over here. That's a controversial topic I don't talk about. <laughs> I wrote a long article about it many years ago before it became such a hot topic. But you have big plans. You have big plans. Everybody here has big plans and big dreams. And it's good. It's nice to have big dreams. But there's something that the Ban Shalom has with a Jew that's called a Hefshek. And Haman, Chazal tells Haman understood that our Hefshekel is going to ultimately defeat his millions of Shkol. Because the Indian of Haman, the Machshebah's Haman is, the only things in life that are meaningful are the big things. The big red-letter dates in life, the big accomplishments, the Geval de Gedavne, the 40 days at the Kaisel, the 40 days Shir Shir, the 40 days Nishmas, the 40 days talking about how I'm going to do something for 40 days. 
that those are the those are the big big things in life, and they're being mass produ- mass produced in Am Yisrael. They're being advertised. They're being sold. And there are thousands upon thousands of wonderful, holy Jewish boys and girls who are not the best students, who are not going to excel, who are not going to finish some great thing and reach some great milestone. But they offer up their half a shekel to the master of the world with such sweetness and such love because they called their grandmother today. And most of you didn't. I don't want to make you feel bad. Your grandmothers can do that themselves. You don't need me to do that. Half a shekel. Half a shekel. You know, there's a Sadiq in the world. It's a very, very, very great guy and a genius of Torah. He was the one that brought the Tchelis back into the world. Some of you might have heard about him. I'm so big, son. You heard of the Meshalach, the Ishbitzer? So the grandson, his grandson from the Meshalach was Abgesh Nehenach from Azin. The Azin said that Purim is from the word Pirurim. What is the word pirurim? What does it mean, pirurim? No? Crumbs. Pirurim are crumbs. Pirurim are crumbs. And what's the connection between Purim and pirurim? Because Haman said, now understand that Haman was like the wealthiest person of that time. Next to Achishverosh. Haman was like I don't know who's the, the, the Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. I don't know. Those are the names I heard. We used to just say Rothschild. You know, I don't know now who's. But Haman was mamish, mamish, the richest person in the world. There are a couple of words that he said that we have to think about. You have to learn from what Haman said. He had all the money in the world. He was the biggest knacker in all of all of the 127 Medinas of Ahasuerus, the biggest, most powerful person. He was the Eichmann over there, you understand? The biggest person over there. And with all that he had in his family, he had children, he had a lot of sons, they were all hanged in the Yambo Hashem. He had a big family, he had all the money he wanted. He was the most successful guy in all of Paris of Persia. But he said a couple of words that are unbelievable. He said, Finish the sentence. Girls. As long as what? As the Jew was sitting over there in the Shah Malach. As long as Mordechai the Jew was sitting over there in the Shah. Not the wife, not the children, not the stocks, not the hedge funds, not the billions, not the buildings in downtown Manhattan. Everything I have in my life, all my billions and billions of shkolem, it's worth nothing to me. The curse of the snake was to eat the dirt in the beginning of time. And the swarm will ask, why is that a curse? He has all the food that he wants because he eats offer. He eats the dirt. And Siddiquim explained that the dirt has no taste at all. Because there's a person who has everything that he could possibly want, but it has no taste. You understand? Because all he waits for every single day 
is the big deal. He's the president of our country, he's doing a lot of wonderful things for the Jewish people, and I'm very grateful. But the big deal, the deal, the deal of the century, the deal of the millennia, the deal, the deal, something big, something big. Purim is saying that the Rishon is trying to help us to take note, to take a look in our lives, and to see the pirur of the cross. What does that mean? It means that today my davening was not so gewaldic. I didn't have a strong kavana, my mind was wandering. But I was able, for a sentence or two, to be there with HaKadosh Baruch That doesn't mean that that's the tachlis of my life, and I hope to be able to, over time, improve. But a half a shekel of Kedush is so valuable in Hashem's eyes. See, Yiddishkeit, particularly the Derech Hashem, is not about getting to a certain destination. It's about enjoying the ride. It's about being in that moment that you're in. When I gave the example of calling one's grandmother, you're not going to get any kind of an award for that. They're not going to announce it in shul. You're not going to have your name written up in any book. Even your grandmother might forget 10 minutes later that you ever called her. She's in that place. She might not even remember 10 minutes later. But for the five minutes or 10, or if you have a certain kind of a booby, it could be for the half hour, whatever it is, that you're on the phone or that you stop by to visit, Azamasikas, such a Masikas, the half shaykh. The half shaykh. The Kaimatamincha, the little mincha that's held in the hand, which Haman Gemara says that Haman came to ask, Mordechai, what are you learning with the children? We're learning the halachas of Kamitsa which is the flower by the carbon mincha that's held in the hand, a little bit of flour. And Haman understood that your, that your kaimitz, mincha, that that little kaimitz is going to defeat me. What did he mean when he said, your half shekel is going to defeat me? Your kaimitz, mincha is going to defeat me. What are you saying is the following? A person can be in a marriage that is for the most part so gratifying, two good people, but if things didn't go the way I expected now, or if my wife wasn't happy with me now. Or if my husband gave me a look like not such a gewaltig look right now. So that I see my life as being a miserable life. And I haven't taken enough time to appreciate the pirum, the crumbs. There's so many, so many delicious crumbs all over the place. The pirum. You see, not just the grandmother... You see a friend, you see a girl in the hall, she looks like she's a little bit down. Just a smile at her. To ask her, how you doing? Maybe you want to go get a pizza or something? Want to get something to eat? Let's hang out a little bit. Not because she's one of your chev, you understand? Not because she's the coolest, or one of the chev, or like they say nowadays, I've heard this, cute or normal, stuff like that. She's not cute, she's not normal. She's not part of your chev. She's a Jewish girl that looks like she could use a couple of crumbs of smiles, a little bit of chizik. Haman says like this, Haman says, nah, she's not from the cute normal. She's not from 
That could be that's really outdated. I'm sorry. I, I guess stuff from my granddaughters. I don't know. But she's not from that. It's what am I going to gain from this? Where does it say in the Torah that I have to take this girl out for lunch? Where does it say so sometimes I have to take this girl out for lunch? This is from the biggest mitzvah, such a thing. Haman says, this is not from the biggest mitzvah. What's, what's such a gewaldiga thing? You called your grandmother last week. You, uh, you signed up for some chesed program or something. And you go and you do some chesed, which is very, very nice. But the person next to you is dying. And you signed up for some big, big chesed project. Like you spent you know, the last three years in your line doing sponge for some, uh, for some lady in Hanover or something. That might be true for a couple of you. And, and you got this girl that's, that's, that you see all the time and, and she's dying. Not like the lady in, 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 uh, in Hanover might be busy or, or if the apartment was bought by her parents or in-laws, she's doing just fine. The girl next to you could be dying. Not much dying. And all she needs is a little bit of a master shackle, you understand? A half a shackle. Half a shekel. You know, the Swasemi said that Shekel, he brought some Shagan from the Zayda, from his grandfather. That Shekel is the Rashitavis. Shiftacha, Shachbacha, Kumecha, and Lechtacha. Now you know those words from Krishna, right? Shiftacha, Bevesach, Lechtacha, Devshabu, Kumecha. Shekel is Shiftacha and Shachbacha. When you're sitting, when you're going to sleep. Kuf is Kumecha when you get up. Halam is Lechtacha. As the icy is the letters of the word shekel. So since I brought up the controversy of, of girls making a seam and I, I don't talk about controversies. I really don't like it because there's so much more that's Gishmaik that we can talk about that we all agree on, right? But a person has to ask herself, and so does a guy. Like, what is it that's compelling me to be part of such a project, such an undertaking? Is it to do the Ratz and Hashem? Is it to do the Ras Hashem? Is that always where it comes from? Or is it something else? Well, sometimes maybe, maybe it's only like the big thing that like I could accomplish, this amazing goal that I could... Maybe it's, the, maybe it's a little bit of the voice. Again, I'm not saying anything against it. I'm not making any statement about yes or no. I'm just talking about guys and girls. There's no need to make a scene. As far as, as far as the Mitzvah Talmud Torah is concerned, of course there is. But my father, all of a sudden, said that he doesn't remember when he was growing up and they made many siyumim where he came from. He doesn't remember that they had bodies and stuff. doesn't remember. What happens if only you and the Rachel knows that you're doing his will? And what is it that compels a person to engage in something that might not be entirely for the sake of Hashem, but somehow... Satisfy the need for 10,000, the 10,000 or 10 million scholar of Haman? Who knows? One thing is clear. Because life, as I began with it, life is filled with so many disappointments. And because we oftentimes don't reach the goals that we expected or, to or dreamt of. And marriage does not turn out to be as glamorous as, as it looked like in the movies or some of your friends that are married were making believe that it was. And life, for the most part, is filled with challenges and difficulties. If you're living in that mindset of 10,000 shkalim, 10 million shkalim, of everything like gewaldig, gewaldig, you're going to have a life of coldness, mamish, of ashakarcha. That's the main strategy of Haman of Amalek. 
Whereas the strategy of, of Mordechai HaYehudi is the Ish Yehudi The strategy of an Ish Yehudi is this moment I can call my grandmother and I can be Mechayeher. This moment I can smile, I can talk to a person who needs some chizik. This davening, so it's not the whole davening, but I said, I said one sentence. I said, I said, I said it and I meant it. It's a machsa shaka but it's my offering to you. It's my true malasha. I'm giving this to you. It's pure. It's my head One day maybe I'll be able to have millions of shkalam. I don't know, but right now, this moment of his chaskis, this moment of davening, this moment of learning. Who says, wait, this, I have to finish this, I have to finish that. I'm learning Torah. You know, there's a person in Tanakh, the only person in Tanakh, who the Torah defines as being an Ish Matzliach, a successful person. Who is that person? Who knows? Who's the person who's an Ish Matzliach? No? I was so shy. What is it? Who's the person? Loud, I can't hear you. You're nervous, you're not sure? So somebody's screaming out. Only, no? Yo- Yosef had Sadiq. Yosef is, 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 is described in Torah as being Ishma Slech. So tell me something. What kind of Geval the Gatzlach did he have? You know, especially when he, at that time he was called Ishma Slech. He was in the place of Potiphera. His brothers first tried to kill him, then they sold him. He's so far away from his family, from everything he loves and everything he believes in. He's in the most miserable, disgusting place on earth. And he's in a place, in a home of unbelievable Torah. And over there the Torah says, Yosef is an Ishmael Sliach. You wish Hatzlach like that on your friends? When you say to somebody, you should have Hatzlach, you're saying you should, be, you should be taken off in a wagon and thrown into jail? That's called Hatzlach? So tell me, what made Yosef Hatzlach into an Ishmael Sliach? Why is he called an Ishmael What's the Hatzlach? It certainly wasn't a 10 million shekel deal. The Hatzlach of Yosef Hatzlach was that nobody knew, only him and Akash Baruch Hu, and the woman who tried to seduce him. That he overcame that, and that he was strong. He didn't, th- he didn't think when he did that, wow, this is going to be Gavaldic, one day there's going to be all these Pesukim Nechumash about me. He didn't think that. He just tried to do the right thing. To him it was a half a shek. Just this moment. Just this moment to do the right thing. He's called Ishmael Sleeve. That's how the Torah defines that sloch. It's Mamash how the Torah defines that sloch. Haman says that's not called that sloch. That's a, you're a loser. What kind of loser are you? The most beautiful girl in the world coming after you. Mamash a loser. You're the biggest low yusloch. What's Hatzlochem? Hatzlochem means to be perfect. Hatzlochem means to be beautiful. Hatzlochem means to be successful. And if you're anything less than that, in that world it's called Machshavah's Haman, you're a low Yusloch, you're not successful. And from there comes Hashakorach, Kriyus, Kriyus. I feel that my Yiddishkeit is not what it could be, coldness. I begin to drift away. 
I, when I was in seminary, I was just a big tzaddikis. Oh, I was davening and I was learning and I was doing mitzvahs. Look at me now. It's a bush and a cherpa. It's yoinus. Look at me now. Vayivez haman, it says in Pasuk, Vayivez haman. Vayivez esav is a b'chayra. The world of bizyoinus, that's what I'm part of now. Because I'm not the person that I used to be. Instead of staying focused on this moment, doing what I could do to give Hashem's boch, nachas to give me half shackle of myself. Doesn't have to be something that it was in Yishalai. A person has to be macurus in the kaima. One has to know his place in the world, and not only, not you can't always accomplish in one place, but you accomplish something else, somewhere else. So let me tell you a story about my father, son. My father was nifter around around ten days ago. I just got up from shiva a few days ago. And in our family, my father was our tzaddik. My daughter, Siri, said that, you know, we don't have to go to Rebbe's and tzaddik, and we have Zaydi. And when I think back, I have many, many stories, and I told many of them at Levaya and Yeshiva. But when I think back on my father, Harini Kaparaz Mishkava, when I think back, it's not the big things. It's not the big things. When you think back on the people that you really, really love, who made a difference in your life, it's always the half shackle. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Think about it. It's the half shackle. It's not the major stuff. It's not that friend that whenever you meet, like in the street, it's like squealing and hollering, like or in the airport, and you have like 500 people turning around to see what's wrong with you. It's not that. That's not the friend. That's not the friend. That's the, the 10 million scrollum. Okay, it's cute. But that's not the friend. That's not it. It's not the big deals. It's the half scrollum. It's the pure. It's the things that you never ever dreamt were important at the time. Adli Yada, you never even thought. You never knew how great and how important it was. You never knew. Adli Yada. And when I think back on my father, all of a sudden, I think back on so many, they're coming to me more now, more and more and more of those half shekels. I remember a time that I was very, very, very upset. Something, something with school and whatever. I was just very upset. Something happened. It's not important, but it, was a, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big Indian, but at the time, you know, I thought it was a big Indian. And I called my father, he was at work, here in Manhattan, he owned the dry cleaning store, and I called my father. It was the middle of the day, and I said, Mike, are you okay? And I said, I'm upset, something happened. He said, what happened? And I said, you have a minute? My father said, hold on a second, hold on a second. And then my father came back to the phone. We spoke for almost an hour, and I found out only later on that night that my mother told me that my, that my father had, she was there in the store with my father, and there were around 11 or 12 customers waiting my father asked everybody to leave. He said, I have to talk to my son. And he sent everybody out of the store and he locked the door to talk to me. I didn't know that. He didn't tell me that. My mother said, couldn't you talk to daddy when you got home? <laughs> That's what my mother said. So I, I was so embarrassed. I said to my father, I said, daddy, I, I'm so sorry. I wasn't, I'm so selfish. I didn't even think it's the middle of the day and you have, you're at work. My father said, what are you talking about? I said, mommy told me that you had to, you know, you closed the door and you said, they sent out the customers. My father said, no. He said, the whole tachlis of my, 
of my having a, of my having a business is to is to be able to take care of you and mommy and, and, and your sister. It's my whole tachlis in the world. And something is hurting you, so that's all. It's nothing to talk about. It wasn't like a big deal. To him, it wasn't a big deal. And at the time, I said to myself, well, I guess that's what people do. And I only, when I grew up, I said, most people don't do that. And looking back, I'm thinking, no, I, they have shackles. It added up to millions, but at each moment that it happened, it was a half a shackle. So many of those have shackles. So many of the have shackles. You know, I find it interesting how, you know, they have these biographies of Gedolim that are put out that he, you know, when he was four years old, he finished Shas, probably, you know, he was six, he finished Yerushalmi, you know, and he, uh, he brought wood to make fires for all the widows in the town. You know, the stories of Tzadikim, it's all true. But the best sellers are not those books. The best sellers are about people. Like, you know, in Yerushalayim, uh, my, my sister-in-law was friends with, you know, Henny Robinson uh, Machlis. I had a friend of mine, we were in the mountains together in the summer, Shlami Gross. They put out a, a book of some stories about him. Regular stories, half-shackle stories, but like, such a good guy. Such a good guy. But no like, you know, making the sun stand still. Those stories don't do it for me. I don't think they do it for most of us. They're very impressive, but you move on. And the feeling that you get when you read those amazing stories is that, wow, I'm so glad that those people exist in the world, but that's not me. But then when you read the stories about people like us that tried... With all the Yitzharas that we have and all the challenges, they tried their half shkolem in this world that they, to look back and to say, you know, I lived a good life. No big, big deals. I didn't get any big books printed. They didn't make a movie about my life. But I can look back and say that by I tried my best. I tried to give you nachis. I tried to bring you a lot of little crumbs. A lot of little hefshkalim I tried to bring to you to give you nachis. I tried so hard. I didn't finish that Gemara. I didn't finish that project. I didn't spearhead the PTA ladies auxiliary division of the yeshiva, my kids' yeshiva. And I, I delivered a couple of packages for Tamcha Shabbos or something. Those are my half skull. But Yiddishkeit is, is built by the half shank. And that's what the Gemara means when it says, Gol of Yadul from Misha Omar, Vahaya Elam Shasa, Hamalisko Shkalmi Israel, and Hikdim Shkalayim, the skull of therefore the midst of half shekel. Do you want to be Besimcha? I'll tell you a story about the Chavos Chaim, and that'll be it for tonight. I don't know, maybe I went over. I'm not sure what this time thing is. I don't know, it was 45 an hour, I'm not sure. I'm still okay? Time I said Chavos Chaim. There was a big Mashgiach who was able to get to England from Europe. Rebella Lapian, you heard of? Rebellia. And he was in London for some time before he went there to sell and he became the Meshgiach in Krachasidim. 
Så fik Tzadikah med. He said that when he was in London, they were trying to go to collect money they needed for the yeshiva. And there was a very, very, very rich guy in London. And Rebellia went with a few people from the yeshiva to try to get some money for the yeshiva. Now this man was not observant, he was not religious. But he was known to give to yeshivas and to besyakos and to mikvahs, even though he wasn't religious. He himself came from European people. He was himself uh, from Eastern Europe. And he was very generous with the uh, yeshivas and so on, but he himself was not observant. Ad Kedekach, that when they went there, when Rabbi Elia went with the other people from the yeshiva, Rabbi Elia came to the house and he reached up his hand to touch the mezuzah, and there was no mezuzah, or it was some like painted thing, you know, it wasn't a real mezuzah. Ad Kedekach. So they came and they were talking to this person. He spoke a very rich, beautiful Yiddish. And Rebellion was talking to him. And to the horror of the people from the yeshiva that were with him, Rebellion asked him the following question. He says, my friend, it's quite obvious that you're a Machal Shabbos. You don't even have a kosher mezuzah. So the guys went, oh no, this is not a fundraising uh, opening line, right? So it's clear to me that you don't keep Shabbos. You're not even kosher. You don't even have a kosher mezuzah. So I don't understand. Why is it that you give so much money for yeshivas? What do you have with yeshivas? So the guys were all cringing. They couldn't believe their belly asked it. So listen to what the guy said. This rich guy said the following. He said that you're the first one to ever ask me that. Because everybody's just so happy taking my money and to try to butter me up for money that no one ever asked me the honest question. Like, how come I'm not religious? So Abeli said no. And not only that, but I give to all the yeshivas so generously. So Abeli said no. So he said, that many years ago, many, many years ago, when I lived in Lithuania myself, It's a whole story. My parents wanted me to learn in Raden. And Raden, the other was Shiva in Raden, was Chavaz Chaim. I really didn't, at that time, believe in much, and I didn't really want to keep in Yeshiva. I wasn't interested. But I went. And I went to the Chavaz Chaim's house. And when I came there, Chavetz Chaim said, don't worry about the yeshiva and about learning right now. You're cold and you're hungry. And he said the Chavetz Chaim himself, in the middle of the night, he was, he was in bed and it was, it was still chilly. And he remembered that the Chavetz Chaim came in and took off his coat and put it on top of him. He made believe that he was sleeping, he said. He made believe he was asleep. And the Chavetz Chaim came in and took off his own coat and he put it on, he, and he put it on top of me. He said, from the Chavetz Chaim's coat, even though it's 50 years ago, whatever, I'm still warm from the Chavetz Chaim's coat. I still am warm from the Chavetz Chaim's coat. And I have warm feelings for yeshivas, for Yiddishkeit. From the Chavetz Chaim's coat, from so many years ago, I still have warm feelings. 
half a shekel. Those are the best stories of the Chavaz Chaim. Not making a river split, not bringing down the mon from Shemayim. It's all really impressive. It's all very cool. But the Chavaz Chaim taking off his coat and putting over a, a boy that was just cold and scared, that's a half a shekel. That's the story of Purim. That's why on Purim it's a funny yantif. What do you do on Purim? Dafka not learning on Purim. It was just hanging out and doing funny stuff. And all of us are wearing disguises and costumes because it hides the people that we really are. I want to give each and every one of you a bracha. That it shouldn't only be simcha of dancing and running around and being trailer for Purim and all kinds of fun things and cute things, it's all nice. But you should have this simcha every day of your lives to feel and to believe in the nafasur that Hashem has from your hefshkal. To take upon yourselves these projects of hefshakal, hefshakal, nachashakal, hefshakal, hefshakal. So by the time that you're going to be old and you turn around and you'll see Mr. Hashem, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren standing around your bed your last moments have come to be in this world to be able to look around and to be able to feel that I tried I tried to enrich your children's lives and give you your life with my little Hefshkon and when you live with that then it's not only Purim that's Besimcha it's not only the Mother of when that Machshava comes in and a person's mind was because there are always opportunities. Always. You can always call your grandmother. You can't always make a scene of chance. Always. You can always do a little title. There are always crumbs all over the place. Crumbs. You just have to bend down and pick them up. Hashem is Lord, help each and every one of you to gather the crumbs and to bring him the orphans that will give him nachas till the twenty, so that all of us will be zayichah for that time when there will no longer be any sadness in the world to come into Mashiach and have him in our main valley. I will